Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, This is The Tom Sumner Program, and welcome to the third half of our three-hour tour. And uh, this uh, is kind of interesting. It's Sleep Awareness Week, and if anybody hasn't been aware of of a feeling of, of... maybe wanting to take a nap, they probably didn't set their clocks ahead last Saturday or Sunday. Um, But we're going to talk with um, an award-winning scientist who has devoted his career to mental health and researching the brain, who has some uh, observations uh, about uh, sleep and its importance. And we're going to talk about stress busting and and some other things as well with uh, Dr. Patrick Porter, who joins me by phone. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. Um, let's talk about Sleep Week. Is is it is it a big deal when we set our clocks forward an hour? You know, everybody talks on Monday about, oh, I feel so draggy, I, I really miss that hour. Is that a big deal, making even that small adjustment? Yeah, the big deal is not just that one day. It can take 7 to 10 days for our body to regulate. Our brain loves patterns, so when we break that pattern, yeah, it's a big deal to us, and it's really because our body is tuned to the light of our sun. I mean, if we don't go to sleep before 10 or 2 in, at night, we don't make as much melatonin, just as one example. So the body has shifted all of its neurochemistry by that one hour. Is there a, a big difference? Um, like, like people who work shifts. I grew up in a factory town that had three shifts, and there were people who slept all day and worked all night. Um, is there a big difference um, in whether you sleep at night or during the day? 
Yes. Uh, in fact, we just finished a study in Australia with coal miners, third shift workers. And the biggest difference we found was their initial cortisol levels. So if you just look at what happens with salmon when they swim upstream, they really burned out their bodies by overproducing cortisol so they could go back and lay those, um, you know, lay those eggs in the same place they were, they were spawned. And then about two hours later, they're dead because they overdid it. The same thing's true. They're finding there's a lot of links to some, some of our, the world's worst diseases happen because the people aren't getting adequate sleep and they're linking it to the third shift or shift working. My, my grandmother and aunts were both nurses, are all nurses, and they were moved around so much and it really played with their health. And when they retired, they had sleep problems. My grandma did until she died because she couldn't regulate anymore. I mean, she was like two weeks on days, two weeks on nights. And it's right. really important that we have patterns. Is, and, and when people switch like that, which, which happens in a lot of uh, professions, I was, one that comes to mind because of the uh, pandemic is um, restaurant workers, where people will work days or nights depending on when they're needed. And when people bounce around from shift to shift, do they ever get time to, to get reoriented and, and regulated properly? Well, the nervous system tries to reorganize every 72 hours. But what we're finding is that it takes almost three months to really, truly regulate the nervous system. Like when you move to a new location, for instance, we all have that uneasy feeling when we're in a house. But everybody has, when they're in there for a while, pretty soon it becomes your house. For a while, it doesn't feel like it's yours. That's kind of the feeling people have when they shift time zones in, in order to sleep. They don't feel like they're in their right body, in other words. They, they, something feels off or odd, but they don't know what it is. And it's really because their body is used to or conditioned to wake up at certain times. I mean, a lot of people experience in the weekends, even though they don't have to get up at certain times, they still get up at the same time they would for work. And that's a sign that they should get up because the body is conditioned to do that. But we usually push through it, you know, and, and then we start to uh, scramble those signals that the brain is sending. You know, my dad, who he passed away many, many years ago, but he used to do this thing where he would he would catnap. You know, he he could sit in his lazy boy chair in the middle of an afternoon, fall asleep for about twenty minutes, and get up like he'd had a full night's sleep. Is that something that's that's common, or is that sort of unusual? Well, it was unusual back when your father was doing it. Um, I think it's not unusual anymore because just to give you an idea, every person around the planet at two o'clock, no matter where you're at in your hometown, your body's going to drop in temperature. And really it's, it's from back from our bodies being designed or evolved from the Serengeti. We were supposed to be taking naps at that time, not just 20 minutes, but 20 minutes is what most of, if you read about the most inventors or people that were uh, working on problems in laboratories, they would have these cat naps. Like Einstein even called it his thought experiments, and <laughs> and Edison had his Ed, Edison had his twenty minute cat naps, and what we know happens is when you dip out, when you can shift gears out of that everyday reactionary mind and into that daydreaming state, even for twenty minutes, that's when you get your energy because we have an electrical system. Most people know it as fight or flight or rest and digest, but it's called the sympathetic system, which is our fight or flight, and our parasympathetic, which is our uh, rest and digest. I like to call it our survivor brain or our thriving brain. And for 20 minutes in your thriving brain, which is what your father was able to do, 
you reclaim a lot of energy. In fact, we found that we did it with our BrainTap system, but a 20-minute session in the afternoon can help you to reclaim 80% of the energy you had in the morning. Really? Your father was ahead of his time there. Yeah. I, I, well, because I've read about uh, salesmen, for example, who spend a lot of time in uh, uh, lobbies and waiting rooms, sitting, waiting to get in to see someone, and, and they talk uh, about... Uh, being able to um, just doze off, even for just a moment, and and there was a, a trick. It was one of these, uh, you know, ways to get rest, you know, while you're on the go. And they would hold their keys in the palm of their hand, and and set it to their side, doze off, and when the keys fell out of their hand, that woke them back up. And it was that that just that moment they drifted off was just enough periodically to help them keep their energy up yeah there's there's stories that are told about in sleep sleeping world about uh pilots during world war ii that they conditioned them to believe that all the sleep they needed was the time to hold a fork in their hand and a pan beneath it and as soon as they let go of that fork and they hit the pan they're back out of flight line flying because we were short pilots and so they were something similar to what you're saying so there, there was a lot of research done on that. And what happened was they were, they were, uh, it would take anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes for the full body relaxation. Once you released all that tension and stress, now the body was able to uh, fill up with the energy because we are electrical beings. Our body has something called chromoforms. These are, every cell has them. We absorb light like a solar panel and, or energy through sound, light, and vibration. So we, we do we get, of course, we get energy from food, but that's a slow way to do it. Our body gets energy. You know, we all, we've all been in a situation where we were hungry and we ate, and just after we ate, we thought, wow, I feel better now. But it actually takes about uh, two and a half to three hours to convert that food to energy. But psychologically, we were, we were fine. Yeah, and of course. We, we were going to be getting that energy. <laughs> As I always used to say, if, if it was Chinese food, by the time you felt the energy, you were hungry again. <laughs> um, but uh, but talking, uh, getting back to sleep for a moment. Um, the for a lot of people, um, I'm always amazed at people who can just lay their head down and fall asleep. Um, for a lot of people, there's a certain amount of restlessness before they can fall asleep. If you ask someone how long it takes them to fall asleep, some will say minutes, and some will say hours. Um, what what's at work there and and what can be done to maybe induce sleep other than you know knock yourself out right right so that's a good question and the what we have found is that it's better to go to sleep consciously those people that are falling asleep right away that's not really healthy um, think of your body like a capacitor an electric circuit a capacitor holds a charge until a preset point where it discharges and we all have discharge points, you know, where we get too angry or we, you know, who we can blow up on. In other words, usually loved ones that will take us back. But in the, when this energy builds up inside of us, it builds up every day. So the best way to do this is at night you close your eyes. And when you breathe in, I usually, there's two different breathing techniques I teach people that have problems sleeping. One is you breathe into the metal kind of floor. Now that's going to trigger your your uh, sympathetic system. It's going to trigger your fight or flight. So you're going to engage that for a moment. Then you're going to breathe out to the metal count of eight. And while you're breathing out, 
you're going to scan a different body part. And usually people start at the bottom of their feet and they continue this breathing up through the body until they reach the top of their head. With, process, with practice, most people don't even reach their hips. But what happens is you've trained your body to unload that stress. If you don't unload that stress, there are people that have like TMJ or they wake up clenching their fist or they get cramps at night. That's a sign that their body has not released the trapped energy or emotional energy that's part of the body. The other breathing technique, if people, because you want to switch it up, there's something called neuroplasticity, which simply represents change in the brain. So you, you mix it up by doing what we call the uh, uh, box breathing, which is very simple, too, for the listeners. You just breathe into the metal count of four, hold it for the metal count of four, breathe out to the metal count of four, leave that breath out for the metal count of four, and you keep cycling through that. But while you're cycling through the breath, Again, you scan down through your body. They call it body scanning. And as you put your attention there, just like if I said, what is the pressure of your feet on the floor? You weren't aware of that pressure until I put your awareness there. But the, because your brain became aware of it, blood flow to that area, circulation increased, and relaxation will follow. Now, I, I go through something where I, I sleep intermittently. If your sleep is interrupted, two or three times during the course of say six or eight hours um is is are, are you still getting the rest you need or by being interrupted are you messing up the yeah. the cycle yeah yeah great question in that um a lot of people think that way it's not really the amount of interruptions you get but how deep you sleep it's not even about ah. the time you sleep now. What we know now is that we need level four sleep, which is that deep, uh, what they call paralytic sleep. Some of your listeners might have woke up and they couldn't move their body. They knew they were sleeping and it gets a little fearful, you know, because what's going on? What's happening during that time is your brain is actually detoxing. And in 2016, American Scientific finally came out with a report that showed that we have glymphomic cells, these glia um, lymph system actually drains the toxins out of the brain. That's the key thing for sleep. We need an hour of that. Now, it only happens in microbursts, so it doesn't happen like in an hour straight. It'll happen over the seven or eight times during the night, and during that time, you're going through these different cycles, and if you get into REM sleep, which we need about two hours of REM sleep, we're going to make all the neurotransmitters we need, because at night is when you build up your, your bank account for all the neurotransmitters you need in the next day, weeks, you know, days and weeks to come. And if you're depleting that because you're not sleeping through the night, it's hard for you to feel happy, let's say, or calm or relaxed because those neurotransmitters aren't available. So our physiology has shifted the way we think or, or our psychology. That's fascinating. I, I've always wondered if, if you accumulate sleep. I, I, sometimes I'll fall asleep, you know, early in the evening for a short time, uh, 20 minutes, a half hour, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll wake up, and then it's difficult to get back to sleep. But I rationalize, oh, well, well, I've already had a half hour. <laughs> right. Does it work that way? Actually, I have to interrupt for just a moment. Um, I have mm -hmm. to go to a break here, Patrick. Can you stick around sure. for a few minutes? Because I want to talk yes. about mm -hmm. uh, pandemic and sleep. Um, as sure. well when we come back. My guest is uh, award-winning scientist uh, Patrick Porter, who has devoted his career to mental health and researching the brain. We're going to talk more about sleep, hopefully without putting you to sleep when we return. <laughs> <laughs> 
Stay tuned. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers, and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. 
engineering and IT services at swiftland.technology. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue now with my conversation with award-winning scientist uh, uh, Dr. Patrick Porter, who joins me by phone. Patrick, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Hey, no problem. Good. Thank you. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, just before we went to break that I, I wanted to. We've been talking about sleep in honor of Sleep Awareness Week, and I want to talk a little bit about the impact of. Um, the shelter at home uh, ordeal that we've been through because of the pandemic and its impact on sleep. But I want to ask about Sleep Awareness Week. Is it always the week that we jump the clocks uh, an hour forward? Yes, I think uh, they started doing that just a few years ago. It hasn't always been that way. I mean, I think most people, since two-thirds of America is not sleeping well, it's Sleep Awareness Day almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> and twice on Monday. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, but let's talk about that. People have been um, experiencing the pandemic in, in many different ways, but a great many people have been at home and, and working less, even those that are, mm-hmm. that are working at home. And so they've been less active than they typically are does does activity impact how well you sleep um for people that are you know sitting around uh you know moving from the bed to the couch and and binging netflix and hulu and all that kind of stuff does that does that prevent you from getting good sleep yes because what the biggest thing you can do for your brain uh is to exercise your brain and there's a lot of science out there now that shows that sitting is the new smoking because our nervous system, we're designed to move and breathe. That's our body. You know, so when we were kids, we were moving and breathing, always active, doing things. That's where, and then, of course, our body would become tired at night and we'd go to sleep. Now, when you're sitting around all day, whatever you're doing, even you could be doing something really necessary, you know, sitting at a desk for eight hours, very critical work, but the body and the brain didn't get the movement and exercise it needed. So then when it goes to sleep, it doesn't know what to do because the brain uses totally different sugars than the body does. You know, we, we, can, we can get energy in our body by eating almost anything, you know, especially carbohydrates. But our brain needs very specific foods, you know, that, that feed it. And if we're not feeding it right or we're not, our activities aren't in order, then what happens is we get very sluggish in our thinking. And especially when the, the brain itself loves these patterns that we had. So before COVID, people would get up, get dressed, go to work, do what they were going to do, come home, very delineated. With COVID, what has happened is people roll out of bed, they open up their laptop, they're at work. So the brain doesn't know, doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and that, that, can, that confusion or that what we call bleed over, I always tell when I talk to clients now, I say it's like being, when you're driving down the road in the old days and you're between two radio stations and you couldn't really hear either of them, but they're bleeding over. That's right. kind of like what's happening with our habits and patterns right now. That's interesting. What, what are some of the, the foods that, that feed the brain um, better than than others 
Well, the, one of the things, you, low glycemic fruits, if you're going to eat them like blueberries and strawberries are good. Sugar is the, probably the worst thing we can put into the brain. Also, green vegetables, especially things like broccoli, those are going to be powerful for the brain. We want to eat more fishy uh, fish that are fatty fish, like tuna and salmon. Those are really good for the brain. Um, the ones that most people focus on, of course, are chocolate and caffeine or coffee, uh, but those have to be regulated. It's not just any old chocolate. Uh, it's it's the dark chocolate, usually 80 to 90 percent cocoa. That's the chocolate they're talking about, but in moderation. We're talking about like one or two tabs of it, not a whole bunch of it. That can actually help people sleep, too. If they do that like an hour or two before sleep, it can set the brain up for doing those things. Uh, the other is is to eat foods that are uh, eat more high fiber foods. Our brain needs foods that are high in fiber, and most people are missing that fiber piece in their diet because they, if it comes in a can bottle and a wrapper and has ingredients you can't read, your body's probably not digesting it, and that's where the fiber comes in. So the the fibrous vegetables or even supplementing with fiber uh, is a good choice for most people. That's. That's interesting. Although I'm I'm finding myself getting a little uh I don't know disappointed or depressed. I I finally quit smoking and now I sit all the time. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's the new smoking. Um mm-hmm. but but that's something that a lot of people are experiencing especially now because of the pandemic and and working at home. And and the scenario you describe I think is is pretty common for a lot of people roll out of bed, open up the computer, and you're at work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and the brain really needs, I, what I'm recommending people do is get up in the morning, figure out what kind of exercise you're going to do, because exercise is going to engage the brain. And there's a brain wave called SMR, sensory motor rhythm, that has to do with balance in our vestibular system. And as we age, that's the brain wave that actually gets the most damage. And that's why when we get older, we lose our balance and equilibrium. But through mindfulness techniques, meditation, like our BrainTap app, things like that, or listening to uh, broke classical music, there's something called the Mozart effect. Even if you're sitting and you're listening to music, it's going to be better than just sitting, uh, you know, maybe watching something, you know, that's going to agitate you or upset you. Uh, But getting up and walking around, I mean, a lot of people now have desks that uh, they can stand at or sit at, and they, they make those changes diversity is what's most important. And when you take a break at home, I recommend that you get out of the house. Uh, There's something to be said about grounding in in cultures like China and Japan and and, in India, they call it forest bathing, where you get outside and you walk in nature. Most people know they feel good when they're walking in nature, but even if you, you have to walk in your neighborhood right now or whatever, get out in the sunshine. You know, the, the vitamin D that we need is produced by our sun. It's really not a vitamin at all. It's a hormone. And it's stimulated by the blue spectrum of light in our sun. But, of course, we can supplement it, too. They, they can supplement it. But our body is used to making it in the same way that our body makes sugar. You know, a lot of people don't understand. You're talking about stress when you're getting ready for the show. The stress of one event can be equivalent to eating a candy bar because our liver can produce that much sugar and dump it into our bloodstream. And the problem with that is our bloodstream can only have one tablespoon of sugar at any one time or we die. So it has to it has to produce insulin, and that's when the diabetes kind of thing starts to cycle because the body's trying to catch up. 
And a lot of it's not even the food that we're eating. It's what's eating us. You know, so that, that's a big thing. Is there a significant difference between anxiety and stress? Just in the labeling of it. Uh, some people, they don't, some people don't diagnose anxiety as stress. They might think about it as a certain event or encounter. Uh, but worry, anxiety, they all have the same uh, propensity in the body to slow down or disrupt our, our brain's function. In fact, our hippocampus can shrink a quarter of an inch a year just from abnormal stress. So when you talk about COVID, a lot of people are, are having that done because we know that not the stress, the stress of having it probably is far worse, obviously, but the, the fear of getting it, you know, because we don't know where it is or what it's doing. It's, it's, there's so much uncertainty about it. There's no, there's no real fixed science around it. There's just, it's out there. It's like any other virus. Where is it at lurking? And, you know, we might get it at the grocery store. We might get it from a friend, you know, so that, that constant underlying fear is going to dampen our immunity. There's something called psychoimmunology, which is the study of the immune system and how our emotions affect it. And there's so much science out there that shows that fear, anxiety, stress, all the negative emotional states actually shut down our immune function. And today, of course, we want our immune system working at its highest. You know, it's right. more productive for us at this time. Yeah, I, that's that's interesting because I I always think of of stress as, um, you know, sort of a singular type event like deadline pressure, and then mm -hmm. the the kind of fear and anxiety that goes along with um, what we've been experiencing under the pandemic of of um, uh, feeling anxious because our routines have changed. We have. Um, fear of ourselves or people we care about contracting COVID-19. There, there are all these things that are sort of, you know, ongoing in nature. And I think most people might not admit that they have stress, but know they're feeling anxious. Yes, we, we're, we're able to measure the stress resistance in the body with uh, heart rate variability, which a lot of people right now have smart devices, like on their phones, or they're wearing a ring that does it. They can check this for themselves. But what you'll find is that I've not measured anyone in the history of time in our clinics. We've measured about 30,000 brains over the last 10 years, and that wasn't under some level of stress. You know, some people have manageable stress. They're able to mitigate it, and that's great. They have a highly efficient functioning nervous system. But some people just one event one cascade negative event like listening like their alarm goes off in the morning you know that's one of the worst stressful events people have because they set it up the night before they 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 actually program stress into their life so i always <laughs> recommend get rid of that first stress is change your alarm clock or use your use some kind of technology that can either wake you up with light there's alarm clocks now that wake you up with light or you can wake up to something more beautiful you know something that's not going to just disrupt you so much because some people get in let's say you get a negative text in the morning or a call from somebody if you're still feeling that anxiety or stress about that event in the evening then your nervous system isn't regulating correctly you need to start practicing some of the techniques like whether it be a breathing technique using an app like brain tap doing something that's going to teach you a way and, I, and we do have some breathing techniques we can go over with the listeners that can teach your nervous system to regulate it's all about regulation it's not about everyone's going to experience stress. I mean, there's, there's no, if you hear about a program that's going to eliminate stress, that's impossible. 
stress is going to happen. It's how do we relate to it? I mean, think about our military. And if you are a, let's say, a, a Navy SEAL, your level of stress that you can handle has to be much greater than my level of stress. Right. You know, but but they thrive on it. They enjoy it. They, you know, or they wouldn't be able to do that job. They would have been washed out like the 99% of people that don't make it through that training. So they're looking for people that have the propensity to handle high levels of stress. And a lot of the stress that we're experiencing from, from COVID or anything else is self-imposed because really nobody's getting all stressed out about tuberculosis today. More people will die today from tuberculosis, which is an airborne disease, than from COVID. But because it's everyone's awareness right now, it's going to be. In every flu season, we go through the same thing, but we, we didn't have this level of stress or anxiety because there wasn't that much fanfare around it. Now we have all this fanfare. And I'm, I'm not saying don't take care of yourself, not do what they say, but we have to be smart about it. Take care of yourself. If you have any of these comorbidities, then stay home. Get your groceries delivered. You know, do the things that you're supposed to do so you can stay healthy. And I think also it's a wake-up call. So if somebody's getting stressed about it, use that stress to motivate yourself to cut down on your sugar, to start exercising, drink more water, you know, read more positive books, engage with more positive people. And, you know, one of the things we're going through right now is how do we get our lives back? You know, how do we get that certainty back into our lives? Yeah. And we're 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 creatures of habit, right? People listen to your show every day because that's part of their program, right? They they wake up, they they listen to Tom on the radio. That's what they do. So if if you were suddenly not on the same radio station or you weren't broadcasting, people would miss that. There'd be they'd have to find something to replace it with. So now I think it's time people are getting a wake up call. What positive changes can you make in your life so that the next time this happens? Because I don't think it's going to be the end of it. The next time it happens, you are physically fortified. You know, that's the thing. What are you doing to physically fortify? So if you do get it, then you make it through it. You know, I believe I had it, but it was so mild. Hello? Came back from India, and I was a little bit sick, but not much. And I've had no problem since then, but I have a good, I take care of myself. You know, you've got to take care of yourself, and then you're all right. I mean, obviously, um, some people have a greater propensity to these things, and you need to be careful. Well, Patrick, you um, mentioned something I, I thought was kind of interesting about uh, about these um, Navy SEALs, for example, that, that deal with a very high level of stress, but they're conditioned to handle it. Aren't there ways that, that some of us mere mortals can... Um, take the anxieties that we feel and, and extrapolate some energy from that into feelings and actions that are more positive? Yeah. I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach your listeners a little technique. They're going to think it's crazy, but it's hardwired into the brain. Your eyes are not just attached to the brain. Your eyes are brain matter. So what you do is you first start a breathing technique and the First breathing technique I like to teach people is a very simple one. You breathe into the middle count of four, you breathe out to the middle count of eight. That triggers, first when you're breathing in, it triggers that, that part of the brain that's the fight or flight, that, sympathetic, that uh, sympathetic system. When you breathe out, you're training the brain to turn that switch off, turn on the new switch, which is your thriving brain or the parasympathetics, 
when you, while you're doing that, you're going to think about whatever you're anxious about, whatever you're stressed about, whatever you're worried about. But while you're doing that, you're going to roll your eyes first to the right 10 times and then to the left 10 times. And then you're breathing through this whole process. When you're done, you open your eyes, look around the room, and I'm going to venture to guess that most people will not be able to find that anxiety again. Because believe it or not, our eyes actually encode memories into our brain. And what we just did with that little exercise was we just scrambled or we retrained the brain to handle that energy that becomes motion. The emotion of anxiety needs to move. All negative emotions have something in common. They, they lack, lack of breathing, right? If you see somebody who's angry, and if their kids typically say, breathe, breathe, because you can't have a negative emotion, any negative emotion and breathe. It's impossible. It's physiologically impossible. So if you can train your brain to breathe through those difficult experiences, pretty soon the brain will simply process that information instead of holding it into the nervous system and building up. Our Remember, our body is like a, a transducer. It's holding energy until it gets to a preset point to discharge. But if we can train the brain to discharge that, we never fill up to the point where we have to discharge. And uh, the story I like to tell is if you got pulled over by the police, you know, you're going to be upset and a little angry, but you're not going to get upset and angry at the police officer. You're going to bite your lip and get home. But God forbid somebody does something at home as soon as you get there and break the plate or <laughs> does something that irritates you because <laughs> they're going to get the full force of all that pinned up anxiety and stress. So we need a way to dislocate. And that's where exercise comes in too. You know, physical exercise is a good way. We all know people that were really bad off, but they started an exercise program and, and within three to four weeks of doing that, their whole psychology changed because they no longer had all that pinned up energy causing confusion and it's a really good, for the brain, exercise is one of the best things you can do. You know, one of the things that you said at the very beginning of our conversation that, that it takes time, like 72 hours or something, to recover from just just the, the change we experience um, from daylight savings time and moving the clocks ahead an hour. Um, what kind of time is it going to take us once the all clear is sounded on the COVID pandemic, now that we've got vaccines out and so on, the president is saying, well, you know, July 4th, it looks like we might, you know, start getting back to normal. Um, but once we, how does that work on an individual basis to recover from all of this anxiety we've felt for pretty much a year solid? Yeah, I think that each person has to kind of evaluate when you've had a sudden loss, you know, a loss of a loved one or uh, a divorce or even as simple as um, getting a new house. But I'll, I'll use the analogy of a new car. When you buy a new car and you're driving it down the road and you have to adjust the radio, it's a little stressful at first. You don't know exactly where the radio is. You're doing all your things. You're looking around. But eventually, two or three weeks into it, you're adjusting the radio, moving around the car. It's, it, it's just second nature to you. So everyone has a different – now, some people, that can happen in a day. Some people, it might be two or three weeks with their new car or their new home or their breakup. When do they start dating again? 
when do they when do they start looking for new relationships when do we move past the the heartache of a loved one leaving us those sudden change experiences that happen to each one of us we can look at our past and kind of say how did we handle that now we can quicken that process by planning it because our brain is always predicting our future you know there's a saying that 98% of what's going to happen to you tomorrow you know about today but some people will wake up tomorrow and go, I can't believe this is happening to me. But they already knew about it. Like they, they pre-purchased the food. They, like when you were a smoker, you, were, you smoked the cigarettes. Whatever was going on, and then at the end of the day, you go, I can't believe I'm smoking these cigarettes. You know, but you bought them. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> so, there's all, so I think that, uh, but I think in general, just as, an, as a world, I think it's going to take a season. Like if we can make it through a, a flu season, because there's going to be scares, you know, we, but every year we have flu season and it, it does harm a lot of people because their body just isn't able to handle that. Um, and there's always going to be people out there waiting, you know, when's the next shoe going to drop or, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's going to capitalize on the fear of bringing back, you know, whatever, even before it is supposed to be brought back. So, but I think most people will be through it within within a week or 21 days. I mean, they look how long it took to adapt the mask. It used to be you'd see 75% of the people not wearing them. Now you very rarely see people because they're conditioned to wear them. Right. Pretty soon we'll be conditioned to go back to our normal. There's actually a really good video on YouTube that shows an, a waiting room office, and they set up a program where – they had a bell ringing, and they put a plant into the office, and every time that bell went off, the person stood up. And I'll quicken the story so we can get through it. But what happened was, as he's standing up, people were looking around. He goes, when that bell rings, we're supposed to stand up. So as people were coming in, he was training them to do that. He left, so nobody knew why the bell was going off. <laughs> they kept going that whole day. People, every time that bell went off, everybody in the waiting room would stand up. And at the end of it, they, they asked the group that was in there that nobody trained them, nobody said anything to them. They just followed all the rest of the people like lemmings. And they said, well, we thought we were supposed to do that. So I think it's an educational process. When they see enough people doing it, people will follow, you know, and be comfortable. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to end on that because um, we're out of time, Patrick. But this is a fascinating conversation and an important one, I think. Um, and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Patrick, do you have a website? Yeah, if they go to braintap.pro, that's .pro, they can go there, they can get a copy of my book, and they can also uh, get access to our app there. They can learn about it, or they can just type into any browser, hashtag braintap, and they're going to see literally if not a million, close to a million people who are using BrainTap, they can read their stories and find out if it's something they want to do. Well, Patrick, thanks so much for uh, sharing these uh, thoughts with us this morning. Um, it's been a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you, Tom, and good luck. All right. Take care. That was uh, award-winning scientist uh, Patrick Porter, Ph.D., who has devoted his career to mental health and researching the brain. And uh, we're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, our, our final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner program, we'll uh, focus on a couple of people who um, <laughs> know what it's like to have sleep problems and the stress it can cause uh, with one of our remakes of 
the Bickersons. Uh, that's uh, after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. This day will go down in history as precedent-shattering. John Bickerson is smiling. Despite the lateness of the hour, the fact that he has had perhaps the hardest day of his life at the office, John Bickerson is smiling. Why? Tell us, John. Two weeks vacation with pay. Wait till I tell Blanche, brother, how I've longed for this. I'll sew myself into the bed sheets and sleep for ten days. John? Hello, Blanche. How is my beautiful wife? What? Would you like me to bring you a glass of milk and a cookie? And here's a little present for you. You look wonderful, honey. Oh, this is awful. What's the matter? This morning I burned my hand on the stove. I ripped my only pair of nylons. My inlay fell out, and now you come home drunk. What are you talking about? I'm not drunk and you know it. Then why are you so nice to me? What's the use? When I come home tired, can't smile, she beefs. When I come home and try to be pleasant, she accuses me. Put out the lights. You're not going to bed with your shoes on. Yes, I am. I work like a horse. I might as well sleep like a horse. Why did you bring me a present? What have you been up to, John? Bring his wife a present. Oh, stop it. A husband doesn't bring his wife a present unless he's done something wrong. I've brought you a million presents and I've never done anything wrong. Never. Not since the day I married you. I wish you'd let me sleep. Sure. Sleep. That's the easiest way out when you've got a guilty conscience. Blanche, I tell you, I haven't got a guilty conscience. Then why did you buy me an expensive present? It isn't an expensive present. It's the crummiest present I could find. I could believe that, all right. What is it? Why don't you open it and see? I bet you've gone and thrown away your money on some stupid thing I can't even use. Oh, you can use it fine. A home beauty outfit. It's got everything, just what you need. Wrinkle cream, freckle remover, hair darkener, false eyelashes, chin reducing strap. What kind of a present do you call this? What are you hinting at? How did I know what was in it? Nobody would use this but a homely woman. Oh, that's not true. All women use it. They do not. Only the homely ones and I wouldn't touch it. The sales girl in the drugstore said she uses it all the time, and she's not half as homely as you are. What? I mean, you're just as pretty. And that's just about what happened. You walked into a drugstore, saw a pretty face, and didn't know what you were buying. I didn't look at her face at all. If you were going to buy me a present, why didn't you buy me something I could use? Why didn't you get me an ounce of taboo? 
What's that? My favorite perfume. Well, you've got a dresser full of perfume. Taboo, Sabu, Snafu, Sterno. Enough perfume for any woman alive. Look at those bottles. They're all empty, and it's all your fault. You left the corks out, and it evaporated. I leave the cork out of my bourbon, don't I? Well, what about it? That never evaporates. You never give it a chance. I don't see why I should have to do without because of your nasty habits. What do you think makes a thing dry up, John? Wish I knew. Don't be so funny. Oh, I'm not funny. I'm sleepy. You know I worked at the office 18 hours without a let-up? That's what you said you did. That's what I did. I did it for what I thought was a good reason, but now I'm sorry. Why? Forget it. What is it, John? What happened? (gasps) You lost your job. I didn't lose my job. I got two weeks vacation with pay. It's the first vacation I've had in seven years, and I wanted to enjoy it. But no, you wouldn't stand for that, would you? How can you say that, John? Of course I want you to enjoy yourself. Where's the money? In my wallet. Two whole weeks pay. Now, do you mind if I rest? You know, John, I haven't had a vacation either. A change of scene will do us both a world of good. If you're so tired, there's only one thing in the world for you to do. He's doing it. Where did he say that money was? Oh, here it is. Two weeks' pay. Blanche, put that money back. Oh, I I thought you were sleeping, dear. What were you doing with that money? What's the matter, Blanche? I'm not doing anything. I'm just counting it to see if they gave you the right amount. It's the right amount. Put it back and go to sleep. You needn't talk like that. I wasn't going to steal it. Who said you were? Just like you to make a crack like that. I didn't make any cracks at all. Go on. Call the police. Have me arrested. Put me in prison. Nobody's putting you in prison. They'll lock me up in solitary confinement. Rats running all over me in my cell. And I stand helpless, shaking, behind iron bars. No way to escape. Blanche. Oh, why don't you send me a hacksaw, John? You're getting hysterical. Well, don't go accusing me of taking your money. It's half mine anyway. It's all yours. All I want is sleep. I don't see why we can't go away on a vacation for a few days. You go. I told you I'm going to do nothing but sleep for the whole two weeks. You'll have to get up sometime. Not even once. How are you going to collect your unemployment insurance? What unemployment insurance? You're going to be out of work for two weeks. You can't collect unemployment insurance if you've got a job. If you're not working, you haven't got a job, have you? That's different. Why? I don't know why. Nobody does it, that's all. Well, what's the good of unemployment insurance if you don't get any money when you're unemployed? Being on vacation is not the same as being unemployed. Don't tell me. What? Clara's husband, Barney, has never had a job his whole life, and he collects his unemployment check every week. He can't collect any checks if he doesn't work. I thought you said they only pay you when you don't work. That's right. But you have to work before you can be out of work so you have a legitimate claim for the money you earned that you don't get. I don't get it. Oh, leave me alone. And I'm telling you now, John, you've got two weeks off and you're going to do one of two things. Do you hear me? I hear you. Either you start collecting your unemployment insurance or else you fill in those two weeks with another job. Another job? This is my vacation. I don't care. It won't hurt you to work those two weeks. And we could use the money. Okay, I'll get another job in the morning. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? 
Go on, get up. Get a job, you loafer. What kind of a job can I get at two o'clock in the morning? What's the matter with being a night watchman? I won't do it. I won't do it. You've got no right to deprive me of my two weeks off. I don't care what happens. I won't get another job. All right then. Promise you'll take me away on a vacation. There's no way out. I promise. Will you swear? Every minute that we're away. I know where we'll go. Lake Tahoe. I'll only have to buy a few more dresses, and you can wear your dungarees all the time. Okay. Just tell them you came in from fishing, and if it gets cold, I've got just the thing. Let me show you what I picked up on sale yesterday. I don't want to see it. Just look at this, John. Isn't it stunning? What's so stunning about a bath rug? It's a fur cape, silly. Well, where's the fur? Well, that's the way it's supposed to look. It's the very latest style. Sheared beaver. Sheared beaver? It's been clipped. So have I. You have not. This is worth every penny, John. You know I'm a good judge of furs. Oh, sure. The past two years you bought a bald mink and a plucked skunk. Well, what's wrong with them? The mink stinks and the skunk shrunk. Blanche, how much did you pay for this one? Only $94. $94? Oh, Blanche, you didn't. Get that money back, you hear me? Get that money back. Don't get hysterical. As soon as the... Blanche, how could you do this to me? I deny myself everything. I've been sewing heels on your old pocketbooks and wearing them for shoes. I've been eating the padding out of my overcoat shoulders to save on breakfast cereal. I don't even drink my bourbon anymore. I just chew the cork and hit myself on the head with the bottle. I never spend a nickel on myself. You bought a bag of popcorn yesterday. That wasn't popcorn. My teeth fell out from malnutrition. I'm warning you, Blanche. Blanche, you're not going to get away with it. What do you want? Hello, Bickerson. This is Mr. Guernsey. Yes. Uh, oh, hello, Mr. Guernsey. I hate to be calling you at this hour, Bickerson, but something very urgent has come up. What happened? I just received word that our Chicago plant burned down, and we weren't covered. This morning, I filed bankruptcy proceedings, and I'm closing up for good. What? I trust you'll find a new position, and I do wish you good luck. Well, uh, thanks. By the way, Bickerson, would you mind sending back that two-week salary I gave you? I need every penny I can scrape together. Yeah, um, sure, I'll send it. Uh, goodbye. Well, did you hear that, Blanche? No, what was it? My boss, Mr. Guernsey, I lost my job. <gasps> wonderful! Wonderful? What's so wonderful about it? Now you can collect your unemployment insurance. Oh, Blanche. Good night, John. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to thank all of my guests, and, uh, and uh, starting with um, Dr. Patrick Porter, talking about uh, sleep and sleep health. And uh, before that, of course, a very interesting conversation with the um, uh, CEO uh, pay expert from uh, Institute for Policy Studies, Sarah Anderson, talking about her testimony yesterday at the U.S. Senate. And then the first hour of the show, we squeezed in a couple. We had Bert Sarkinen from Arrow Timber and Chris Kaiser. Good night, everybody. The Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.